Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 102. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how God always uses the best means towards the best end. And I'm Todd, and I'm going to talk about how desperately we need uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to help us when our pain is up here. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. So glad to be with you. And Pastor Todd, thanks for being on. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. Um, Fun. I think we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. We're in a brand new series in Ruth, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, But then also uh, starting just this last weekend, we kicked off our second year of GoFund Kingdom. Um, So talk to us just a little bit about, you know, GoFund Kingdom is kind of your brainchild. Talk to us about the idea and why you felt like, man, let's do it again this year. Um, and then maybe let's even talk a little bit more in depth about some of the projects that you highlighted this weekend as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think to me, when I think of this holiday season, it is so easy to get trapped in all things consumer, mm-hmm. whether it's what I want or what they want or whatever. And, and everything is really a want, right? I mean, a gift is rarely a, I needed that you know, yeah. thing. So um, there was a phrase that I had heard before about exchanging our wants for their needs. We might have mm. even used that in some iteration of something we did years ago here. But it's such a powerful phrase to me. And I thought, man, what a great thing to do at a larger scale. We could all do this as individual families or whatnot. But at a larger scale to say, God, at this time of the year where we are going to get give and receive things we want. So it's not wholesale. We're not doing gift giving. And I think you can make actually a really cool point when you go back to the historical figure that we make Santa out of today that, you know, he actually was someone who was very generous in giving gifts to people in need and St. Nicholas in Turkey. It's a really cool story. So to me though, not trying to say that has no value, but also saying, but in the middle of all of our gift giving, would we be generous to those who don't just have wants, they have needs that yeah. are being met. And what a what a cool way to just implore generosity, especially. And I love our churches. I mean, just attitude and posture. Last year completely overgave the the intended amount. And um just love to be able to meet people in so many different places of where they were at. That's what I love about these nine projects, just like last year. Um, very different and meeting needs all over the world in different ways. And um, I think it'd be easy if people go online and look at the nine projects, your heart's going to resonate with at least two or three of them. Mm. You might not connect with all of them, but man, there's going to be a few you go, oh, I love that we're doing this. Yeah. So, um, so specifically this weekend, as we were talking about this concept of poverty and really trying to define poverty, I think in a little bit more of a biblical and relational way, like this book that we've used and alluded to and rooted, that poverty is really um, the breaking down of relationships. It's a lack of shalom. It's a lack of being right with God and right with my world. So obviously that's going to leak into, I don't have finances. I don't have food. I don't have clothing, but it's just helpful to not see poverty as only those things. Real quick, one of the things I remember one of our care pastors, David Beersley, telling me years ago, and I was trying to figure out how to use our benevolence fund and help people in need, was he just said, talk to them about who they've already asked for help. Mm. And often, 
they had already asked everyone for help or said, I've burned every bridge because I've done this before. And, you know, it, that is really what poverty is. If, if you or I had a problem today, we would have a group of people we could lean on and say, could you help me? Could you yeah. meet this need? Could you do that task for me? Whatever. But the breaking down of relationships really does leave me isolated and then without the ability to take care of multiple needs. Some mm. people are in poverty, though they're rich financially. They're in poverty in terms of they have no one they're connected to. They have no purpose in their life, mm. et cetera. So I just love that. And so one of the groups that we're partnering with in those nine um, projects is Second Chance Food Bank. And um, our Rooted group got to go and serve uh, two or three weeks ago. And I think the most powerful thing about it, though life on life was so good, there are so many more dynamics than just putting a food box in a trunk. We did all kinds of other things. And my group just came back ecstatic. Like it was such a neat thing. But I just loved as the lady giving us just the volunteer update and, and knowing what we're doing, how many times she pointed out and High Desert Church bought this refrigerator. High Desert, mm. I mean, like big walk-in refrigerators. High Desert Church, Church helped us buy this and how, and just had so many things to say. And the cool thing was the volunteer orientation wasn't just HDC. Yeah. There were nursing students there. There were this group of people there. And I just thought... God, that just is my heart happy that mm. we have been investing in a ministry that is meeting real needs across our desert on a daily basis. And I uh, loved hearing that other people at, from HGC are involved in other roles as well. Yeah. So it just seems like a neat thing to get to partner with them and help one of their trucks be a driving billboard, you know, for yeah. them around to the desert. Yeah. No, that's so cool. And they do a great job at a lot of what you're talking about with that idea of poverty, of bringing dignity back to some situations and specifically around the idea of food insecurity and things like that. They bring a lot of dignity to people who have not had that um, and have been battling or dealing with that for a long time. And so, um, and really that is true on a lot of levels for those local organizations that we're connecting with. Uh, a lot of work done with homeless people, a lot of work done with um, getting people food uh, who can't afford it or at reduced rates or whatever. Um, just, I think, some really cool opportunities locally here. And as we go on throughout the series, we'll just get more opportunities to highlight. Then there's some really cool stuff we're doing around the nation and around the world. Absolutely. And so uh, it goes beyond that. But I think that ties so well to the story of Ruth yeah. because you absolutely see that element of poverty and even food insecurity for Ruth and Naomi as they head back to Israel and kind of have no prospects on the horizon. And so um, there's something really cool about that. And I think many people, most people could find themselves in the story this weekend on some level. Yeah. Maybe it's not a season that they're walking through right now, but we have all walked through seasons of loss and that is part of what it is to be human. Um, and I, I do, I thought it was such a powerful observation that you see loss kind of become the catalyst for three different trajectories. Mm. Um, we don't, we don't hear from Orpa again. Mm. She's, she gone, you know, like that's <laughs> it. Um, and, uh, and I almost think that that is, um, I'm, I remember studying this because I, I was teaching this for young adults last year. Um, some of the people that I read said that that might honestly be really intentional by the author of like, and she's dead to us. Like she doesn't get to be part of the story anymore. Mm. She left. And that's almost like a, 
a bit of a shun on the way that she went out of um, her loss is that she's kind of omitted from the story going forward. Then it creates this trajectory of bitterness for Naomi, soon to be Mara, and then it creates this trajectory of really a, a closer proximity to God for Ruth. And I think what grips me about that and what I would imagine some people would be wondering is how, how in control of that am I? How my grief, what kind of a trajectory it creates in my life? Aren't there so many other factors that would contribute to the trajectory that loss and grief would create in my life? And, and if I can be, or if I am in control to some extent, how do I, how do I put myself in a position so that loss moves me closer to God instead of further from him? Yeah. No, that's great. I think one of the things that the pandemic taught me was how little control I have of much of anything. Mm. And um, to be sure, to make sure we're clear, people like Naomi and Ruth seemingly had zero control over what happened to them. Yeah. Right. That That is not, a, we don't read of anything. <laughs> For instance, neither of them killed their husbands. Yes. You know, or <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So this death and loss came outside of their control completely. And it seems as though most of our challenge, sorrow, loss, hurt comes from either self-inflicted pain. Mm. I did this and these are the consequences for that. Or I didn't do anything wrong, but this happened to me. Yeah. Right. And, um, I know for me, and I, I probably have looked at pain through those lenses my whole life, my whole life, my adult life, and really tried to, in certain environments, try to figure out and evaluate, how did I get here? Yeah. You know, did I do something to deserve this? And then I need to figure out, God, be gracious as we merciful as I walk through consequences, or did I not? And the interesting thing is, for some people, it really doesn't matter. It's still painful. It yeah. doesn't matter who did it, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. It's like evaluating the at-faultness of an auto accident where people get injured or killed. It doesn't matter. People yeah. are injured and killed. So I've probably overthought that in my life a little bit more. And in some ways, it maybe does or doesn't ease a lot of the pain anyway. Because I think that's our hope in trying to kind of intellectualize it is hopefully it's less painful. Yeah. If I understand it a little bit more, hopefully I can avoid some of the pain in the process. Exactly. And the reality is rarely ever. Yeah. But to be clear, in their case, especially, they had not done anything. It was out of their control what happened to them. Mm. However, I believe as I read my Bible, what they did next, what they did with that loss was everything about their, I would use the word responsibility. Yeah. And uh, I'm a big fan of the book Boundaries and it, everything that comes from it. Usually people think Boundaries like I need more walls up in my life. It's really not that. Boundaries is just an, uh, a realistic approach to life, which says there are a lot of things that happen in my world that affect me directly, indirectly, that I have no control over. Yeah. Other people's thoughts, other people's attitudes, other people's actions, other people's behaviors. I don't get to control those. And I'm going to go nuts if I try to. I will live completely out of reality trying to control them if I yeah. think I can. But what am I responsible for? What is something I'm called to, quote, control is my response mm. to those things, to those people. And so um, this is the hard thing is that there are a lot of factors, like you said, besides the actual thing that happened, 
Naomi didn't just lose a husband and sons, which is horrific, but now feels compelled to move. Moving's hard no matter what happens. Moving's brutal when you do it by yourself and out of loss. Mm. This dream is dead, literally. I'm going home. Mm. So there's so many extra factors. It's never just clean, right? It's this one thing, I lost my husband. No, there's a lot more going on. Yeah. And anyone who's experienced loss knows that's absolutely true. So what happens is it gets a very muddy. It's very, it, in our minds, gets very layered and complicated about what is actually north. What am I called to do in this situation? And what adds to the problems, yeah. know, the, the loss itself? So for me, I think what I try to do in those moments is I try to recognize, and let's say in their case, like mine might be like theirs. I didn't, I didn't ask for this. I didn't do anything. I didn't fail. I didn't sin. I didn't do something wrong to deserve this, but I'm fe- facing it. I'm mm-hmm. dealing with this loss or this situation. So then I try to ask myself the question, okay, Lord, and I think this is really interesting about Naomi. We said she doesn't seem to give up on God. Mm. She doesn't seem to throw away her faith. So 